Hello, and welcome to the Television Spotlight on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John May. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about a television show that we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I'm joined by my sister, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the first season of Ms. Marvel. Was six episodes, Disney Plus, of course, and starred the Kamala Khan version of the character. There have been, in the comics, uh, four versions of the character. Wow. The first was the first name that the character that starred in the Marvel Captain Marvel series later became. She also, the Carol Danvers character became, started as Ms. Marvel, became, and I may get the order wrong, Warbird, Binary, and it may have been in the other order, and then uh, Captain Marvel. And then there was a uh, peripheral member of the Fantastic Four that went by Ms. Marvel for a while until she mutated into looking like the Thing and became kind of She-Thing, informally at least. And then when they did Dark Avengers, there was a character that was more or less impersonating Ms. Marvel before she became Captain Marvel or whatever. Maybe she was going by one of the other names at the time. Anyways, this is the version they created a while back, and a lot of the genesis of the character is... The edit, one of the editors at Marvel at the time, a female Muslim, and it's like, we have no representation. The Marvel Universe has very broad mm. diversity is a thing there. Let's, let's, let's fill this void. Yeah. And they created the character. G. Willow Wilson was the writer who, female, Muslim, it's like, okay, let's get somebody who knows what they're writing about. And I read the series when it started, and it was very interesting. It was well done, and personally, I found it fairly educational not being of that culture. You know, it's set in Jersey City and, you know, there's a heavy Pakistani Muslim influence and all of that. And it was, I found very interesting. It gave the the series a different flavor and sensibility to it. Well, it's kind of the equivalent to the local Chinatown. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I loved how in this series, they really built that community quickly and effectively. Yes. And some of the characters that I found sort of interesting, but I didn't feel they were heavily used in the comics, were not really heavily used here, but the actors and stuff really brought them to life and made them very fun, interesting characters. Mm-hmm. The religious leader uh, of the group here, mm-hmm. he did a terrific job. Yeah, uh, he did. Really, I would say the cast overall was, was spectacular. Well, and they... They had, for me, some entertaining payoff for the aunties at the end mm-hmm. in terms of bringing them into the, I guess you would say, the TikTok montage. Yes. Yeah. I I found that kind of interesting and how, and I don't know how much of this is just part of that culture where it seems like everybody's family. Yes. But there was a very much a, a coming together throughout the series, mm-hmm. which I found very interesting. And it was funny because we watched this in in three sittings the first episode in one sitting the next sitting was the next four and then this sitting was the final one and when we watched that first one they went so overboard on things in the background being animated and that kind of almost you phrased it as the adhd sensibility it was and it was so distracting and there was constantly 
two things going on at once vying for my attention. And it was, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be there? Yeah. Am I following the characters or all the stuff going on behind them? Yeah. And first off, from a technical point of view, all the stuff going behind them was brilliantly done. Oh, it was. Yes. Flawlessly, it's like you've animated the mural on the wall sort of a thing as if it were really that way. But it was also an exhausting episode to watch while entertaining. Yeah, but I didn't think I could survive six episodes binged if they were all like that. I was very concerned about that too. And I was wondering, are we going to do one or two a night and have to have something else as a recovery period almost? Mm -hmm. And after really the first they went overboard, the second was some of it, and then they really toned it down a lot. I didn't feel in the finale there was really any of that. No, and I don't think any... Well, we had a little bit in the way of... We weren't texting by that point. We were doing the uh, the live streaming. When we got the TikTok stuff at the end, there was a little bit as, as kind of part of it. But like whenever she was texting in earlier episodes, there would be things in the background. Like at one point, I think it was the, the bedspread or whatever. Yeah. Had these ovally areas and one of them would get filled in with the text or something like that. And we'd cut to Bruno at the the Circle Q shop, and the lights would be kind of his text or whatever. Yeah. And it was a very interesting approach to how do you show text and stuff like that. And it wasn't just that. It was, you know, when she was seeing Cameron that she was kind of enamored with, there'd be a little hearts going around, all that sort of a thing. And some of that is, I'm sure if I went back to the comic, some of it was from the comic. But to do that in a live action television series was impressive technically, Mm -hmm. but also uh, at the beginning, very exhausting, like I said. So they they toned that down as they went. And it was, I got to wonder how much of the first episode was figuring out their visual storytelling style and how much of it was they really just went overboard or something. I wonder if some of it was that, but some of it might have also been kind of I almost want to say, if you immerse someone in something, their brain assumes it's there for the rest. Yeah, if you set it up, you don't have to keep dwelling on it later. We just kind of... There may be a lot of people who don't realize that it faded out over time. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, we kept seeing murals in the background and that kind of thing, but how many people noticed the murals were no longer as active? It never felt like there was something missing for me. But again, that first episode was sensory overload Mm -hmm. to the point that, like I said, I was concerned six episodes of this could be a lot. Yeah, but with the way they gradually tone it down, I wonder if some people's minds thought they were taking for granted now what had been happening in the first one. And they ramped it down, not just cut it. Yes. Remember in the first episode of the Matt Smith Doctor Who season? They did that kind of doctor vision. Yes. Where the camera's flying around under benches and stuff like that. And it's like, this is how he sees the world. It was never used again. Yeah. Because it was it was an interesting idea, but it didn't totally work. Mm-hmm. Here, what they did worked, but again, there was so much of it. Yeah. And maybe they just blew their budget on the first episode or something. Well, to me, it was almost, I almost want to phrase it as the opposite of heightened awareness. Kind of a, once you're aware of something, you take it for granted. Yeah, yeah. You know, whereas if somebody tells you to look for it, I mean, I have to believe everybody saw those murals moving. 
To me, it was just so obvious and literally jumping across the screen. How could anybody miss it? But I could see where some people would be so zoned in on the characters or something that maybe they do kind of miss it. I I can't imagine missing it. But, but... I wonder if that's why they went over the top on the first one so that as they ramped it down, people are now accepting it as the background, taking it for granted. Yeah. And by the end, they're just assuming it's happening. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because I felt every episode was satisfying in and of itself, mm-hmm. but it was very much a six-episode origin story yes. of, of Ms. Marvel. Because it takes till that sixth episode for her to get the costume and really the tail end of it for her to, her to get the name. And I like the final costume. The the red sash around the shoulders. I just wonder how in real life you keep that straight. It seems wildly impractical for all of the reasons that the costume consultant in The Incredibles was the no capes mentality. You know, it seems like a choking hazard. But it's a signature look, not only of this version of the character, but that red scarf kind of a thing was in the original character back in the 70s. Interesting. I mean, I I love the tunic look. I love Mm -hmm. the offset hemline. I love how the... uh, The S kind of logo. Yeah. Yeah. That S logo is, again, reminiscent of the design the original Ms. Marvel in the comics had. And remember when they had at AvengerCon in the first episode, which was a wonderful way to firmly set this in the Marvel Universe. Yes how Zoe's character was in this not realistic costume. It was a dead ringer for the comic costume. Oh, that's funny. And the Ms. Marvel we've got now, her costume is all of the broad brushstrokes of the original, but with that Muslim, Pakistani, or or whatever slant to it, that, that, that lens to look at it through. Mm-hmm. If somebody like Kamala was going to design this costume, they wouldn't do the bathing suit look. Exactly. You know, that's just not that culture. And frankly, I think they're better off for that. I think the way we we objectify people with the skin-tight costumes and superhero costumes is a little absurd at times, and and in some cases demeaning in in stuff. So to take the, the design, hit the highlights of it, yet redesign it through another culture's lens and have it work so wonderfully brilliantly done both in the comic and the way they realized it here i mean yeah it's a beautiful costume i hope to see a lot of cosplay of that because one of the things i liked was it looked like the uh zipper for the tunic was probably hidden Mm -hmm. in the s i mean it was just so many bits of both clever and attractive in it yeah it was it was a good design and and well realized here I'm sure we've... I'm trying to think if we've seen it. I I know it's been cosplayed at conventions before. Interesting. I've seen photos in the comics, Mm because that's that's one of the things Marvel would do at times, particularly in a series like this, where it's like, oh, you know, because people would have the costume, they'd come up to the creators, yeah, and the the creators half the time would take a photo, so they'd put it in the comic. Yeah, nice. You know? Because, again, this is a character that is representing a, a woefully underrepresented uh, both gender and, and religion and stuff in comics. Mm-hmm. So, and it's it's one that, it's a great character. I don't know that they needed to reuni- reuse the Ms. Marvel name for the character, although it gave it a, I don't want to say a pedigree, but a, a name recognition and things mm-hmm. they can cash in on for popularity, for sales, etc. 
but it always bothers me when they take an original character that has no ties to the legacy character, but just borrow the name for the, the easy sales or whatever. Because in the comics, the original Ms. Marvel, Carol Danvers, part Cree, uh, actually that was later retconned in, but she gets her powers from the Cree Captain Marvel and plot contrivances and such. The Kamala Khan was an inhuman, didn't realize she was an inhuman. But when the Terrigen Mists kind of scattered across the globe, people were kind of activated and got powers. Because mm-hmm. at this point, they were kind of, I don't say shutting down the mutant sector, but downplaying the X-Men and upplaying the, the Inhumans at the time. Mm-hmm. And they were almost replacing the, the place of mutants briefly in the Marvel Universe. And her powers were shape-changing. She could make a giant fist. She could kind of stretch her legs and be walking down the street running as if she's like on stilts almost because her legs are that long kind of. A we deal. saw a little of that, especially in the first and last episodes. Yep. Very much. Whereas what they did is they gave her this this bracelet, which effectively is one of the negabands. Okay. Yeah. And I'll get to what those are in a second. But when we see the backstory of it and it's being taken off an arm with that's blue, mm-hmm. which is what the Kree are, both in the comics and in this the movie universe and such. Now, of course, one bracelet, one arm. Kree, like humans, have two arms, so there's the theory there's another bracelet out there. And these bands were later used in the comics by Quasar, which was kind of sort of the Marvel Green Lantern-ish at the time. Energy constructs, stuff like that. Very similar to what she's doing here. Mm-hmm. And it was very easy early on to be referring to her as kind of a purple lantern because she's got a jewelry that makes things out of hard light. And I love the official phrasing of hard light. Yeah. When she and Bruno are training and describing it, it's like, well, this is what we're going to call it. But at the end, when the bracelet kind of goes off or whatever, and she switches places with the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel. In the comics, what had happened to... I'm pretty sure the original Marvel, Captain Marvel, but then his son, uh, Genis, two bands clang them together and wind up swapping places with somebody. Mm. Now, that somebody was Rick Jones, who was the kid at the Gamma Explosion for the Hulk. uh, Rick was also briefly a sidekick of Captain America, later sidekick of the Hulk, various other people, uh, as well as the Captain Marvels and such like that. So referencing that kind of swapping places sort of a thing. It wasn't too clanging together at the end, but clearly something was going on with the nigga band. And I knew there was going to be that, a tag, I, I hoped there was going to be a tag scene at the end, because I knew this character was showing up in the Marvels movie, which is going to be, I believe, Kamala Khan, the Brie Larson version of the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel. And I think they're going to bring in kind of Photon or whatever, which was the Monica Rambeau that we saw in WandaVision. Oh, nice. I like that character. Yeah. So I think they've got a lot to work with. I hope they bring in some of the supporting cast from this series Mm. into that movie. Because I can't imagine Kamala Khan without any aspect of this community. Yeah. Granted, Um, she blipped off to somewhere, so we we may have that. I felt they were inconsistent in a few ways on the powers. In terms of, like... Kamran seemed to get powers when his mother died. I think his mother dying, she took whatever she had as a full-blown djinn or whatever and bequeathed them to him, and he basically couldn't handle the additional power. 
But Kamala's grandmother didn't get anything when her mother died, or at least no. Not that I she took knew it of. as in this case when the the mother died, she explicitly bequeathed them somehow. All right. So the Aisha what put hers into the bracelet? That's how the um the sure etching came along. Seek what you're seeking. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Now going with Aisha and all these other people as as clandestine. There was a series by Alan Davis in the comics of Clan Space Destin, and it was, again, people with powers. He wanted to do a team group book with, again, you're forced together by family, you're not choice or whatever. It was going to be extended family, so they could always bring in new members or whatnot. And there were two kids in that family that very much wanted to be superheroes. And this this version of, of characters, uh, clandestine and stuff, had nothing to do with that series but it was a kind of leveraging of the name and stuff to the point that in the special thanks area of some of the episodes, Alan Davis was explicitly mentioned. Mm. And there are a couple, and I am horrible about who created what, when, and and who should get credited and why. But like Dwayne McDuffie was credited in a few episodes because damage control he created. Now granted, this is the Department of Damage Control, which I think was first seen in the uh, first Tom Holland Spider-Man. Right, the DODC. DODC. Right. So there were times when I was pretty sure that was the Dar- Department of Damage Creation. Oh, very much. Very much. <laughs> Just saying. Well, and in the comics, it wasn't so much a governmental organization so much as a reconstruction company. Mm, I can see that. They would go. They. It was basically a humorish book where they were, Dwayne McDuffie created it to explain how New York kept getting rebuilt. Yeah. You know, you have Fantastic Four destroy that block, Spider-Man that block, the X-Men another block, yet you're always going through a fully rebuilt city, as if no construction is really happening more than normal. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a fun series, and it was all about the, what would it be like having to deal with all of this? You build something and, oh, you've got to go rebuild it again because it just got destroyed again. Turning it into a quasi-superhero law enforcement sort of a thing was a little weird. We're trying to arrest these people before they create damage. I guess, or control the damage that's going to be created or something. Well, because they were going after these kids because they found out they had powers. Therefore, we have to get them. I think there was some backstory on the Department of Damage Control that really needed to be out there and wasn't. Yeah. But I've got nothing against Dwayne McDuffie, or really his wife since he passed away many years ago, hopefully getting... More than just screen credit for that. Hopefully they get a little mm-hmm. something financially for it. Dwayne McDuffie was a, a great writer, and he did some stuff over at DC for the Justice League. He did some of the cartoons and stuff. Did some stuff over at Marvel, Damage Control, Deathlock, other stuff. Definitely a, a really great writer and such. So again, he was credited for that. Alan Davis for Clandestine. And there were a few other people here and there that I'm like, man... What exactly did they do that came to this? Not that they aren't deserving of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, but it's like a trivia thing. Once you see their name, you're intrigued with the, okay, what did I not see or what did I see and not realize? Yes. Because really, once we get outside of the Kamala Khan kind of microcosm of, of the Marvel Universe, other than damage control, the original Carol Danvers, Ms. Marvel and stuff... The things they were pulling in fall into generic Avengery things. So, okay, Kirby, Lee, those for, for that kind of a stuff. 
beyond that, it's like, I'm not sure what they're referencing or why. I'm curious what built up that list of who to credit when. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad they do credit them. I just wish they do it a little more explicitly sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I found this to be overall a really fun show, mm-hmm. very explicitly set in the Marvel Universe very clearly, even though other than 10 seconds of, of Brie Larson at the end, we never get any familiar face of the Marvel Universe physically there. Mm-hmm. But again, AvengerCon referencing the Avengers, the Battle of New York, or in, you know, all or Thanos really and all of that stuff set it in the universe in a way that not all of their stuff has felt. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was good. I thought they did some good social commentary in terms of, I mean, we all assume and take for granted that women have reached a certain level of equality. Mm-hmm. And then going into the mosque, people who, I mean, I've toured some mosques. So I am aware of the women having a different area than the men to clean up before going into services, Mm -hmm. the women having a different area to sit than the men to sit, but doing kind of the, because they're different areas, they may have been maintained at different times, Yes, the different levels of upkeep and the fact that the people who are on the board that proves the budget and the need for these things have traditionally all been men. Well, it was interesting because I felt a lot of what they showed here was Muslim culture in America and such, and there may be a lot of people watching it that are totally unfamiliar with it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't try to paint it as, oh, it is all wonderful, it is all perfect. I mean, it seems, frankly, like a very interesting, loving culture. They certainly mm-hmm. seem to know how to have block parties and stuff like that in a good way, but also showing some of the downsides. The women aren't really treated as equal. They're starting to get there, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know there are struggles to be had in this community. Well, and a reminder that whether it, and it probably isn't intentional in terms of we take care of the needs we see. Mm-hmm. You know, the rooms you're not going into, you aren't going to see the maintenance needs on. Yep. It's not a problem unless you realize it's a problem. And if you never go there, yeah. 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 I felt it was funny because in the first episode, it's like I've never been to New Jersey and stuff, but I didn't think it was all Pakistani or whatever, all Muslim and such, but it certainly was feeling that way at times here. But I don't know how much we really left a maybe a 12 block radius from you know their house or whatever. And that's why mentally I compared it to taking place in the equivalent of a Chinatown. Yes. Yes. I, I would imagine the high school, the mosque, Circle Q... Kamala's house and stuff, all within crazy easy walking distance. Well, and in fact, uh, Kamala's father walked to Circle Q. Mm, Yeah, yeah, we saw that. Did we ever find out what he did for a living? No. He's a professional father, I imagine. Yes, uh, yeah. Again, great actor. He's been working for 30 years. I don't know that I'd seen him in anything else. I think they really did a great job of getting... I almost want to say just a whole slew of character actors. You know what I mean? The people who've got the 50, 60, 70 credits, whether or not they're ones where we say, well, like, uh, what is her name? Sabrina Jaffrey? The one who was in Timeless, that yes. series. That was, I think, and I didn't recognize her in here, but that would have been like the one familiar face for me. I recognized her sitting on the couch. She was one of the aunties, you know, but just to pull in people like that and stuff. Well, the casting director on this it did a great job, an amazing job, because not only do you get some of these character actors, again, the guy who played the father, 
really long resume and such, did a terrific job. The one who played the mom, brilliant. Mm -hmm. And then you get people like the one who played Kamala, who has done like nothing else. Yeah. And did a brilliant job. Yeah. So they were able to balance those that were very experienced, very polished in their craft, those that were new but had a natural gift for it, I think, Mm -hmm. or good direction or whatever led to it. But the bottom line is there never really felt like there was anybody that was head and shoulders above or behind everybody else. Right. Yeah. It was a very balanced cast. They all seemed to work well together and get the best out of all of the scenes. Mm-hmm. And they were all likable characters, at least all of those that were supposed to be likable. There were a few, like the, the <laughs> Department of Damage Control, that female and stuff, eh, not so likable, but not meant to be. Yeah. Well, and like Kamala's mom had a good arc. Mm-hmm. You know, and when we first meet her, she is the the strict mom. But right from the start, we're seeing the caring side of having a big bag of food for Bruno. Oh, yeah. Well, and when it becomes clear, he doesn't really have parents and they've kind of sort of but not quite adopted him in some ways. Yeah. And again, that goes to the, the community family aspect. Yeah. That the, the series definitely had going. But I loved how when Kamala was in trouble at the beginning of the series, the dad was doing, we trust her, don't we, to the wife. Yes, and yes. And then at the end, it had flipped. Yeah. And again, there were some subtle arcs like that. The characters felt realized. Yes, yes. Well, and the brother with the basically, make sure I know what it is you want and I'll talk to mom and dad for you. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the, you know, I do get that they let me get away with more than they do you. Of course, he was old enough to get married and she was in high school. Yeah, definite age gap there. And it felt like more than in the comics, although he was getting married in the comics too. So I think it was, I always felt that the brother existed. So there was another child in the family and to compare contrast kind of a boy versus girl treatment. And he's a man getting married. She's just a child. I'm so tempted to comment on brothers. Oh, no, but, but no, no, I see exactly what you're saying. He yes. wasn't the star of the comic series. He wasn't yes. the star of the TV series. Yet I felt he had a bit more to do here. Well, when he showed up at the high school. Yeah. And the comment of, I went to high school here too, that just kind of cracked well, me Well, there up. was an aspect of suddenly he's in the scene and all the characters are like, what? Yes. But that was one where they did some of the animation where she's drawing on the board. It would morph to the... Mm-hmm. The stuff and back. So it's not like they totally got rid of it. Yeah. But but it, they wove it in real They wove nice. it in very well. Yeah. 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 This was, again, the Marvel shows and movies often are trying to define their own identity to where there's not like a house style for a Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Because you look at this versus WandaVision versus Guardians of the Galaxy versus Ant-Man or the Avengers and stuff, they all have different sensibilities. Mm-hmm. And to keep generating a, a different angle to view this universe through mm-hmm. is impressive. Yeah. So I honestly did not have high expectations for the series going in. I didn't know what to expect. Well, I knew they were changing up the powers of the character, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. But it played well, and it worked, and it kept enough of the sensibility of the comic character. Even like when she's running down the street, here she's doing it on hard light discs or whatever, whereas in the comic, she'd be doing it with really long legs or something. The manifestation was different, but the intent, the style, the way it felt 
rang true. I love when she's, what, 15, 20 feet above the cars, running down the street on the hard light, and she stops for the red light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's an aspect of trying to be a good driver. Yes. This character has really, in the comics, come into her own in a, a wonderful way. When they banded a lot of the teen characters together under the champion's name in the, the comics, uh, she was uh, quickly became the leader of the team. I can see that. Other possible choices and such. So I definitely want to see where this character goes. And I think we're getting to where we're going to have an, a changing of the guard for the Marvel Cinematic Universe just because they've killed off a couple of characters, aged out a few others, etc. Mm -hmm. Here you've got a really young character that if, I don't say if properly developed, but if they continue to grow and it makes sense could be an anchor character for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, literally for decades to come. Well, and I agree with what you said earlier of, I really want them to keep her ties to the community. Mm -hmm. Because I really think that sense of community and letting us be part of the community is what made the show so special. Yes. Yeah. You know, getting to know the food truck driver mm -hmm. and kind of how he played into the community the whole uh, bartering to put up the sign for the election for the board member. Yeah. Stuff like that. It was fun. I was amazed not only how many people were in certain scenes, like the wedding scene and some of that stuff, but, I mean, obviously a lot are extras or whatnot, but a lot of them are recurring characters. Yeah. I mean, when they show the, the cast list in the credits, it's a pretty full list of like three or four dozen names. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a lot that they've... And granted, the food truck driver doesn't get a crazy amount of development, but he's recognizable. Yes. And the number of those kinds of recognizable characters, whether they're the aunties or the, the uncles or the, the guidance counselor at the high school or whatever, was impressive. Mm -hmm. And doing it without stopping or slowing down the story at all, but in all in service of the story. Mm -hmm. Again, the, the writing on this was good. I feel they had good source material to pull from. And I could see where they were pulling from different points in the comic. And it's like, okay, she's going to go to Pakistan for a bit. So I could, it's like, okay, they're using this arc. That's where we get Red Dagger and stuff. They're pulling it in sooner and in a different way, but true to the spirit of what the comic was doing. And again, getting solid writing like that, getting a really talented cast together and such. There's so many things that can prevent that. Yeah. That to have it all pulled together and be such an enjoyable show. I was really pleased with. Well, and I think six episodes turned out to be a good length for them. Yeah, it was. Gave them enough time to tell an arc, develop the characters, the community and such, but not kind of dwell on it and, and have to pad it out or anything. Yeah. I'm curious where the character ends up after the Marvels. Are we going to get a second season of this? Are we not? Where does the character go after that? I definitely think they could do another season of this and it'd be, be worth watching. I agree. Anything else? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.